All right. Good morning, church. Let's try it again. Merry Christmas, church. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Let's do it all over again. Uh, it's super snowy outside. If you're joining us online, we're super excited that you're worshiping with us. Have no idea what the weather's like for you. We have several of you all over the United States and in Canada. We're super excited that you're with us. We have a nice snowy, wintry, mixed day, and so that's uh, slightly fun for some and slightly annoying for others. How many of you, it's annoying, like time to move on to spring, and how many of you still love it, like bring on more snow? A lot of you. Good. All right. Well, fair enough. Snow it is. Uh, that's the vote. Uh, we're glad you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we are super, super excited to kick off this brand new series where we're looking at the life of Abraham. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're new to the Bible, new to church, new to Jesus, new to this relationship with him, the book of Hebrews is in the second half of the Bible, commonly referred to as the New Testament. Uh, you'll hit Hebrews. If you get to the end of the Bible, uh, start heading back to the left, and you'll find this little book called Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know uh, what's new in your world. I know the Arnett's have a new gecko in, in their world, uh, which is amazing for Alicia. Uh, loves that. So if you want to know more about the gecko, please see Alicia. She'll tell you all about that. Actually, it's Eliana's, but nevertheless, uh, Alicia tolerates uh, the gecko. I know some of you got some new jobs. Randy, uh, can, my stunt double, come up here. Randy is my stunt double. Did you see how, get to show him again. Watch how nimble he is. Watch. Randy. Yeah. Yeah, see, look at this. Uh, come on up. Uh, Josh. Jo Josh, picture real quick. All right, thank you very much. It's my stunt double. We're starting this new series called Abraham, and we're looking at how did he uh, believe and then how did he obey, and we're going to unpack uh, a little bit of his life, but we're really going to focus primarily in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles open there or you have your phones on, uh, we're going to get to that here in just a moment. Abraham is one of the most important fixtures in the entire Old, Nest, Old Testament. Much of what we live off of in faith is because of Abraham's faith. He is the first of the patriarchs. He is the one whom God made a covenant uh, concerning the land and the people of Israel. And Abraham is also, this is amazing, he's the first person in all of the Bible who is specifically commended for his faith. We read this in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. That's amazing, right? Imagine if God said, because you have faith, you're righteous. That'd be amazing for him to reach down and tell you that. So we're going to be looking at this, and we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. It is just going to be one verse. That's all we're looking at this morning is a single verse. So we'll be out of here in about an hour and a half, roughly, okay? So verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Today's message is one about 
understanding and following God's leading when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is leading you to do something, to be something, to decide something. God bless you. That is what we're talking about this morning. It's not a message about discerning God's will. That's a very important message. But the two should not be combined together. What we're dealing with is you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has prompted you to do, to go, to decide, to say, to be involved with, to get away from something, fill in the blank. And then how do we have faith to live that out? So the Bible tells us about leading him. And we're going to, again, just focus on this Hebrews 11 so when God tells us to do something, we're going to do this for four weeks. When God tells us to do something, three things come up. Number one, you should set out in faith. Number two, you need to continue in faith. And number three, you need to look forward in faith. This morning, we're just going to touch on the first one, and then Alex is going to be preaching next week on the next two. So let's just uh, pretend, let's form a situation where you know that God has been speaking, he's been moving, he's been adjusting life, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he wants you to go, to be, to do something. You've been praying, you've been reading your Bible, you've been fasting, you've sought counsel from other faith followers, you've been involved in worship, you've contemplated, and there's no doubt in your mind that he has laid something upon your heart. Maybe it's start a business. Bless you again. Maybe it's, uh, Josh, can you get her like a box of Kleenexes? Uh, maybe it's start a business. Maybe it's change jobs. Maybe it's go back to school or, or to move. Maybe it's uh, to end a relationship. Maybe, maybe God's leading you into marriage. Uh, I'm not hinting any, if you're dating someone in this room, like I'm not hinting anything, but maybe God is leading you to marriage or to start a family or to get out of a relationship, or, or to address sin in your life once and for all. And he's prompting you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're sitting here right now and you know God is speaking to me. And this morning, he's gonna be relentless. And even if you cover your ears, even if you close your eyes, God is still going to speak to you. And all of these are, are just common examples of where God might prompt you to do something, to be something, to say something. And once you have properly discerned God's leading, now, like Abraham, you are faced with, what do I do with that? And that's what we're talking about this morning. What does it mean to set out in faith once you've realized God has called you to something? Again, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though, even though, two incredible words for the, for the Christ follower, for us to follow what God is saying and doing, even though he did not know where he was going. And this is the ultimate example of then setting out in faith to, to live out life. And that's what we're called to do. We do that on a regular basis. God told Abraham, go. Abraham obeyed and he went, even though he had no idea where he was going. And friends, that takes faith. 
It's fairly easy to obey, to, to go to a certain thing when, when you know exactly how it's going to be played out. You know all the steps, you know all the hurdles, you know exactly how this path is going to go, and so you gladly go because you can see ahead. It's a lot more difficult for you and I, for Christ followers, to, to follow when we just don't know how this is going to play out. How's the story going to end? We're going to get into that a little bit. So what does it mean to set out in faith? First of all, setting out in faith means that you follow God's leading promptly. This is something that, that we, especially here in America, we're just not great at this. We, we justify, we delay, we you know, talk about the kinks in our back, we talk about our finances, we talk about our schedule. We, we find lots of what would be considered excuses for not obeying what God is calling us to do and to be. We find ourselves at the beginning of verse 8 where we, by faith, Abraham, when called to go, he obeyed and went. Now, this is interesting. If you look at the original language, that phrase, when called to go, could actually be translated while he was being called. So it's happening simultaneously. It could read like this. While he was still being called to go, Abraham obeyed and went. Notice the impact of this. God didn't even finish calling him and telling him to go when he went. Are you with me on that? It's similar to when the, the scriptures say, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not like Jesus went, all right, finish sinning, and then I'll grab all of those sins and I'll bring those to the cross. While we were still yet sinning. And it's the same phrase here. While he was still being called, Abraham obeyed and went. It's like if you are an amazing parent and you're about to tell your kids, please go clean your room, and you get to go clean, and they get up and start walking away. I have that regularly. The opposite. I don't know about you, but it would, you, you would almost be aghast like, they're, they're going. Like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, who raised these kids? This is the situation with Abraham. God calls him while he is being called. Abraham obeys and go. It's an immediate response to God's leading. And it implies a prompt, decisive action motivated by a complete trust in God and his word. An unapologetic, not tethered to anything, I will. You say go, I will go. How much of your week has been like that? It's always good to take a peek in the rearview mirror. How much of your week has been literally, God says, do it, you do it. God says, say it, you say it. Send a text, make a phone call, go meet with someone, help that lady across the street, go do something. How much of our life throughout this week has been filled with prompt obedience? We find a New Testament parallel in the Gospels when Jesus is calling his disciples. I, I love this in The Chosen. Uh, you guys watch The Chosen? Uh, it's just amazing how this is kind of lived out. But when Jesus calls those to follow him, we read this in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 8. At once they left their nets and followed him. They didn't him and haw. They didn't straighten things up first. They didn't dock the boat. They didn't pack everything up so it's nice and neat. They dropped their nets and followed. 
I would love to see home video of that. Because I, I doubt it was as clean as we read. And yet, the, the clearness of at once they left their nets and followed him is abundantly jolting because we're faced with the question of would we? Do we? Will we? And that's altogether good for us to question. It's, it's great for us to analyze and look at our own lives of, is that me? Would I do that? Do I do that? And allow God to kind of meet us there. Friends, if, if God is telling you to do something, then you need to do it. Without any delay, without any justification. And if he's telling you to do it now, then you need to do it now. Maybe there's a broken relationship. Maybe there's a sin that needs to be rooted out. Maybe there's a problem at work and, and God is going, tomorrow, address this. Then I just want to encourage you, do it now. Don't hesitate, don't put it off, don't give in to fear, don't make excuses, do not delay do not reason. And sometimes that also includes sin. Although that's not our focus this morning, it does include addressing sin in our life. Mark talked about this a couple weeks ago with the kingdom of God. It's not a particular sin, it's, it's a way of life. And if God is addressing that in your life, then respond to him because you're gonna find a loving God who has more grace and mercy than you know what to do with. And it's available right here and right now. A number of years ago when I was a youth pastor, we used to take uh, high school students uh, to the red light district of San Francisco. Uh, a, a tremendous area just filled with um, teenage boy prostitution, uh, heroin addiction. I mean, the worst area that I've ever been in. We would spend an entire week in the red light district with these students doing street evangelism at night and literally just being guided by the Holy Spirit, guiding our hearts and, and taking these students and putting their faith into action. And I remember one particular trip uh, throughout the whole week, I just kept hearing the Spirit's guiding. Literally, turn right and turn left, go straight, talk to this person, etc. It was just an incredible week of being led by and guided by and protected by the Holy Spirit. And so I, I kept just trying to lean in and listen. And one particular day, maybe I was... Uh, uh, grumpy or didn't have a great night's sleep or I was tired, whatever. And I was out with a group of kids and we were walking and there was a gentleman standing. I can picture it to this day, this, this corridor of this building. It was really, really dark, about four steps leading up and an and iron uh, side, rails on the side. And he was just standing, leaning up against this corridor. And we were walking across the street and I recognized this gentleman. And I felt like God said, go talk to that man. And I ignored it. I, I don't, like, I, I don't know if, I, I don't remember uh, the conversation in my head, but somehow I ignored it. I, I justified it or, you know, I said, we got to just keep moving. I don't know why. We went around the corner, we walked away, and then uh, I felt it again. I'm like, I missed it. We need to go back. And I told the kids, we got to go back and talk to this guy. And so we turned around, walked back around, got around the building, and he was gone. And to this day, I just... I wonder, what did I miss? 
Or what did he miss? I trust God's sovereignty, so I trust that if God wanted to reach that individual, God reached him. But probably I missed out on the joy and the excitement of following Jesus and his promptings because I didn't obey in the moment. I let it go. And what we see in the scriptures is Jesus saying that there are no delays when it comes to following him. He hates delays. He wants us to obey with, with everything in our being. And there's a reason God is calling you. And there's a reason God is calling you right now. My prayer all week has been this morning that the Spirit of God would roam throughout these rows. And for those of you who are joining us online, and that he would make abundantly clear what he's calling you to. And I hope and, hope and pray that it's happening right now. That he's prompting your heart and trust his timing completely. So that's the first one. Follow God's leading promptly. The second one in setting out in faith means that you trust God to cover your losses. Now, if you're new to church and, and new to this relationship with Jesus, you might go, hold on. No one told me about losses. Like I was told you accept Jesus in your heart, uh, he becomes your Lord and Savior, and, and life just gets peachy. No one talked about losses with me, and so I don't know about this. There is great gain in following Jesus, but make no mistake, there are losses. There are losses, especially when we throw a really hard stake in the ground and say, I will follow. I, I will allow him to be the leader and the guide of my life. And make no mistake, there are going to be losses, but that's far to part of faith. And we see Abraham follow God's leading, and it cost him dearly. We read about God's calling of Abraham way back in Genesis, so turn there just for a moment if you have your Bibles, or you can watch it on the screen. Uh, God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and then go to the land that I will show you. Notice he doesn't tell him what land that is. I'll tell you when you need to know. You ever tell your kids that they're on an as-need-to-know basis and they don't need to know? Or wives, you say that to your husbands, uh, either way. Sometimes you're not gonna get all that and I wonder, have you ever thought about what it cost Abraham to follow God's leading? It cost him everything. Literally everything that he cares about. God told Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Three of the strongest ties that we experience as human beings on this planet are the ties of place and culture and family. And God told Abraham, leave all three Behind. Let's look briefly at these three. First, God told Abraham, leave your country. That's the tie of place. Place. Because we live in, in such a, a mobile society, we buy a house, we sell that house, we buy another house, oh, this is my dream house, we sell that one. 
Uh, we buy a dream car and go, this is the best car ever. This will be my forever car, and we sell that uh, and get a different car. We move. We change jobs. We do that. So we, we lose a little bit of this biblical understanding of how important place was. But the geographical place is an extremely important connector. Anytime you ever meet with someone, you meet someone at work, you meet someone you know, here at church, and you go, hey, where are you from? That's inevitably the question. And then you find out they're from Pueblo. And you go, oh, wonderful. How's Pueblo, Dan? It's fine. Wonderful. Okay. And then we unpack Pueblo for like 60 seconds. And then we move on to where I'm from, Chicago, which is a whole lot more to discuss. But we, we talk about these things on a regular basis. We do. We, we talk about where we're from. If you go talk with Mark, and you, he'll talk to you for hours about growing up in Alaska. Why? Because place matters. Place matters. And even right now, if I say, picture home, your mind immediately races to when you were a kid and where you grew up. And you think about the good, the bad, and the ugly of of where you were raised, home. It tells you about this person. And we're connected by specific locations by a multitude of memories around those locations. Keep in mind, Abraham is 75 years old when God approaches him and says, leave. Now, that's not even close to as old as Ed Richardson. But it's getting there. (laughs) Thumbs down. Okay, fair enough. Just trying to make sure you're still awake back there. 75 years old, that's a long time to live in one place. That's a lot of field trips. That's a lot of potlucks. That's a lot of family gatherings and memories being built in one place. And Abraham leaves his home country and goes to this strange and unfamiliar land. And as if that weren't bad enough, then God says, I also want you to leave your people. That's the tie of culture. I I want you to leave the the people, the culture of of Colorado. You're going to leave it behind forever. Polly is 90, she's 24. (laughs) Polly has lived in this area for ever. That would ask a lot to say, now go live in Pensacola, Florida. Go live in New York City. Go live in Iowa. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those places, but that would be asking a lot. Abraham leaves his people, and he goes and he lives among the Canaanites, these foreign, weird people. They have their own ways of doing things and and worshiping false gods. And that is the new home that God has picked out for Abraham. But he goes. And then God says, leave your father's household. This is the tie of family. Perhaps the, the strongest tie that we experience here on earth. And it doesn't even matter if you grew up with a bad family or a good family. The fact is you are tied to your family. You're tied to those experiences. You're tied to the life that you grew up with. Sometimes it's exciting 
and fun. Sometimes it's hectic and chaotic. Josh is one of 10. Like imagine those mornings. 10 kids running around the house. But that's the tie. That's family. And that's Abraham. And it's hard sometimes when you miss out on life. Uh, COVID has exposed this greatly over the years is we've missed out on family gatherings and birthdays and celebrations and watching little kids grow up. My, my <laughs> I'm not even going to say that. See, the Spirit sometimes says, uh-uh. And so I listened right there. I was going to rip on my boys. Not going to. God called Abraham to leave all three of these important ties behind. Place, culture, and family. And it cost Abraham dearly. This is important because I, I want to be really honest and clear. It may cost you to follow Jesus. to various degrees, but it may cost you quite a bit. You might lose friendships. You might lose family. You might lose money and time and headspace. You might lose out. And God may not call you to leave this place. He may not put on your heart, hey, quit your job today. He's done that to me before. He may not say, get out of that relationship, but he may this morning. He may say, as soon as you get home, I want you to make a phone call. It's gonna be the hardest phone call of your life, but I'm telling you to do it. If you hear that right now, do it when you get home. Don't delay. But even though the cost is great, God has promised to cover your losses. We have these words of comfort and assurance from Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 29 through 30. It says this, Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, verse 30, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. That part's a bummer. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. This, don't, don't confuse this. This is not prosperity gospel. This does not say, well, if I give up my house, God says I'm gonna get two houses. I'm in. Or if I give up my, my mother and my brother, and my wife and my kids, then I'm going to get that much more family. If I give up my money, I'm going to get more money. Don't confuse this. Not prosperity gospel. What it means is God will take care of your losses. He will take care of you. He will take care of, of the things that are going to come based on you making a decision for Jesus. Because very often what we do is we convince ourselves, I can't, ugh, I can't really lean into what God's telling me to do because ah, there's just some gaps and I don't know how it's going to end and, and th the ripple effect could be really, really bad. Will you please trust him with your losses? So setting out in faith means that you follow God's leading promptly 
It means that you trust God to cover your losses. And then finally, it means that you don't wait for all the information to come. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, Abraham obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. How many of you, when you go on a road trip, you know where every gas station, every rest stop, where you're going to stay at the hotel, like that sucker is planned out. How many of you are, are like that? How many of you are absolutely not like that? Okay, some of you are married to the opposite. Good, good luck with that. God did not give Abraham full information. He didn't even tell Abraham where he was going. He just simply said, leave your country, leave your people, and leave your household and go. Genesis chapter 12. I would have responded respectfully. Excuse me, Lord. What land are we talking about? Because I got to know, like, what to bring. I got I to gotta pack I got to plan out the route, and I don't even really know if I want to go there. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was common, you know, from the missionary movement and, and from uh, evangelism from up front of, God, send me anywhere. I'll even go to Africa. Because I, I don't know why Africa became the thing that, that I, I would even go there. I want you to think of 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 a state you'd rather not live in. Don't say it, because you might offend the person sitting next to you. If God said, from, for the rest of your life, I want you to go live in Kentucky, and you're going to serve me there. You're going to love it. Or Iran. Or Ukraine. Russia or Boulder where's that element of faith where's that element of obedience or would you respond with what's option B it's something we have to wrestle with if we're going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, then we have to wrestle with the obvious. Are we willing to obey when God makes it clear as day we're supposed to do or say something? Or do we avoid it and then come back and find the gentleman is gone from the doorway? Abraham didn't have the luxury of having all the information. For us, how it plays out is one step at a time. God makes something clear to you, just take a step. I know it's scary. I know there's a bunch of unknowns. I know there's reasons to obey and reasons not to obey. I get it. I'm not trying to paint a picture that all this is just simply easy and rosy. Not what I'm saying. But I am saying when God makes himself clear, What step are you taking? 
Today, what step are you taking in that obedience? Biblical truth tells us that God in his mercy does not tell us all of the information because quite frankly, we can't handle it. To quote a very good movie, we can't handle the truth. And I would be willing to bet if we could go back two years prior to COVID happening and watch a home video of what's going to go on in our world over the next two years, from fires to shootings to, to unthinkable death tolls to marriages broken to uh, what's going on right now in Europe, we would watch that home video two years prior and go, oh my goodness, how are we ever going to do this? And we would be looking at the horizontal here and now, what we can control to make sure that doesn't happen, instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to wrestle with. And to each their own. I don't know what you're wrestling with today. I have no idea. But I know our God is big. And I know he is so loving and so grace-filled and so merciful and so patient. But make no mistake, he has plans for you. It's to prosper you. It's to release you into ministry. To not just be a, a, a member of the kingdom who sits on the bench and watches the game played out. No, he's calling your name and putting you in the game. It could be driving home today and a, and a car has kind of slid off. And God says, stop. Help them, but also give them hope. Offer to pray for them. Offer to make a call for them. Do, do something for them. You see someone at the grocery store and, and you, you see that the, the cashier clerk is, is obviously having a bad day. Intervene. Say something do something. You, you see someone at the grocery store and, and the total comes up and you can obviously tell they don't have enough money to do it. Offer to buy the groceries for them. Say, I got it. It's on me. You see someone at work and no one talks to them. They're obviously having a bad life, not a bad day. Well, as a Christ follower, you live with the hope of eternity. You live with the only thing that can make that feel better, Jesus. So offer it. You say, well, uh, my workplace makes it pretty clear you don't mix religion with the workplace. God doesn't rule by the rules of this world. So intervene. And you will find when you live this life, just like Abraham, this life of, of believing God has told me to do this and then physically acting on it in obedience, you will find the joy, the adventure, the excitement of following Jesus Christ because it is the farthest thing from boring. And if being a Christian is boring, you're not obeying. If being a Christian, if being a Christ follower has become mundane, then you aren't doing what you ought to be doing. You're a boring Christian. 
Stop it. That's not what we're called to do. We don't carry our get out of jail free card until the day we take our last breath. That's not how this was designed. This was designed so that in every step you will walk in the spirit. You want to be speechless? Obey how you obey in the moment where you have no idea how it's going to turn out. You don't have the foggiest idea where this is all heading. Obey in that moment and you will see the adventure of Jesus. So as we close out this morning's message, I want to invite you to to just stop and examine yourself. Has God been speaking to you? Don't over-spiritualize it. It it might be a, a faith element that God's been prompting you, but maybe he's prompting you for something way more practical, your place of employment what school your kids are going to go to, if you should buy this house, whatever it is. But don't feel like you have to over-spiritualize it. Just, is God prompting you? If he is, act on it. And then identify what's holding you back. Is it insecurity? Is it, is it fear? Is it the unknown? Is it pride? What's stopping you from saying, yes, Lord, and and I'm not even going to question anymore. I'm going to do something about it today. Perhaps you've counted the cost and you go, there's too much cost associated with that. Been there. Just tell God that. Just speak freely with him. Go, man, I don't know about this. I have looked up at the heavens and said, God, I do not trust you with my finances. That was humbling. And and where God met me was not a lightning bolt. It wasn't a wagging of a finger. It wasn't yelling at me. It wasn't going, do you realize who you're talking to? What I received was God going, that's okay, let's talk about that. So what are your losses? Just tell him. Perhaps you don't have all the information, so you're waiting for God to fill in the details. That's not always going to come. You're not always going to get all the information. I just want to implore you, friends, don't wait any longer. Once once you have discerned God's will, it is abundantly clear you need to set out in faith. Follow God's leading promptly. Trust God to cover your losses. Don't wait for all the information because God has great plans for you. The question is, will you follow him when he makes it clear? And that's not just you, that's the church as well. We are doing that as a leadership. We are trying our best to discern God's will. And friends, let me tell you, he is making it abundantly clear where we should go, what we should do, who we should be. And I'm excited in the coming uh, weeks, months to, to reveal that to you as that becomes crystal clear to us as a leadership. But we are doing the exact thing. We don't know where it's all heading. We don't have all the information. There are bumps along the way. There are gonna be losses along the way. But we are trying as a leadership to follow God's prompting right now. And we invite you to do the same. 
So as we get ready to prepare our hearts to take communion, I'm going to invite uh, my dear friend Mimi is going to lead us.